PhD candidate in the College of Education. I'm currently researching in internal quality assurance in higher education. And today I'm here with my colleague. Uh, hi, Alexander, thank you very much. Uh, my name is Tatiana and I'm a postdoctoral fellow with the College of Medicine, uh, currently exploring a potential target uh, for breast cancer therapy and further. Yeah, sure. Um, well, so today on the Introduction to University Teaching podcast, we are talking about sequencing and scaffolding. Um, we covered this content in week four of GPS 989, that is the Introduction to University Teaching course, where we learn how students learn, how to plan for teaching, and how to design short lessons using the BOPS model. That is B-O-P-P-P-E, <laughs> or Bridge In Outcomes, Pre-Assessment, Participatory Learning, Post-Assessment, and Summary. The purpose of this podcast is for us to share what we used to think and what we now think or do regarding teaching. Yeah, uh, to be more specific, uh, today we will go on on how to set up our course structure in a most possible effective way. So the main concept is to find something called a zone of proximal development of your auditoria or to some exact student you're working with and then to focus the work in this exact zone. In other words, we need to know where your student are, where students are coming from and where they need to go. So the whole information uh, on this way from, I mean, from where they come from and where you want them to go, uh, we have to chunk, chunk that information into small pieces, sequence it and scaffold into some activities or practice to allow students to cement new knowledge they just got from you. Well, that's good. Um, so uh, I think that is a good um, background uh, about scaffolding and sequencing. So um, the idea now is that we want to just talk about some prominent um, researchers in the area of um, scaffolding and sequencing. And uh, there are two um, such researchers I want to talk about. And that is um, the Russian psychologist by name Lev Vygotsky. And He's credited with the zone, um, zone um, the ZBD, that is zone of proximal development. And in his social development theory, he considered the foundation of constructivism. He proposed that an individual for cognitive development requires social interaction. And that is why sometimes people credit him with constructivism because then he talks about social interaction where different people meet and through that interaction, they create knowledge. And so I think um, the idea here is kind of having a situation where the teacher and a student is kind of uh, interacting to create uh, or develop um, knowledge. So this also support this, this was also supported by John B. Watson, and he's an American psychologist who is credited with the Behaviorism School of Psychology. Um, according to Watson, all behaviors are learned from our surrounding or environment. He further states that all behavior, no matter how simple or complex, can be reduced to a simple stimulus response association. And this relates to the concept of sequencing to reduce lesson into simple chunks that will help students to easily comprehend the lessons. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, by the way, just a little 
a little piece of information from my side about Lev Wigolski. Mm -hmm. As far as I remember, he originally he uh, it's common it's common mistake that he is originally from Russia, but he's not. He's oh. from some other country. I don't remember exact word, but the idea is that that country was his country was occupied by Russia in that moment. Oh, so that's why it's commonly accepted that he is originally from Russia, but he's not. He's either from Latvia or something like that. Oh, but, well, nice. uh, that's just an interesting, interesting thing. Yeah, I didn't share. know that. So thanks for that. I didn't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nowadays, it's really important for us Ukrainians to be able to uh, understand who is mm -hmm. actually have a Russian origin and who does not. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, what is going on right now? You know, it's unfortunate. <laughs> For sure. Uh, okay, so back to point. Sorry for 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 this step side. Mm -hmm. um, so back to topic. Uh, in order to be more prepared for this for this topic, scaffolding um, and sequencing, our teachers uh, Tristan and Aditi ask us to read some papers and to review a few video ahead of the class to be familiar with some theoretical information. Uh, so then, after having the theoretical background, we were asked to practice. Uh, to practice a little bit, uh, to practice the new knowledge and to apply this knowledge in the practice. So we were offered a few simplest learning outcomes to try to uh, split into small chunks. Uh, something simple, like uh, how, to, how to change a diaper or how to bake a cake. So uh, we were divided into group and were asked to divide this outcome into subcomponents and uh, sequence the subcomponents, providing example of activities to practice and to assess the cumulative work with a simple assessment tool. Uh, yeah, so that's how we were asked to be prepared for this topic. Interesting. I mean, you know, um, before this course, I, for instance, I really, considered um, this concept because I always thought teaching was all about a teacher coming to the classroom, standing in front of the class and, you know, give some notes and kind of like impart some knowledge to the student and they go they go their separate ways. But uh, I believe my view is influenced now by, uh, my view on this was actually influenced by the educational system in my mm -hmm. country, which is Ghana, where teaching is more teacher-centered because then the teacher just comes, take you through some courses and then, you know, give you maybe some time assignment and then mm -hmm. all at the end of the exam and that's it. So, um, but taking this course made me realize that um, teaching is a whole process that involves different mechanisms that help students to really um, ensure that the student has learned and not necessarily just having to go in kind of like just memorize things and come and repeat back to the teacher, but then having some practical um, part. So this course has really given me this. Hey, uh, yes, Alex, I see what you meant. Uh, actually, I think the most of countries have the very specific, very simple to your case, teacher-centered education system. Mm -hmm. um yeah just example just just like example you just provided for us yeah um i actually cannot tell that this system does not work right you got mm -hmm. your higher education you are here in canada the same of for course. me <laughs> so it works for sure but yes. the question is how how efficacy how what is the efficacy of this exactly. of this system yeah. For example, I got my education from Ukraine, and, and the system here are a little bit, uh, uh, 
and actually just have a lot of a lot of common with the example you just provided from your own home country that's for sure so usually students get get information from teacher's lecture or some textbook prepared by teacher ahead so the only thing students have to do is to learn the information they just got from teacher and of course to pass the assessment on how they learned the information provided Mm -hmm. So some lesson might be accompanied with practical parts where students have to apply their knowledge in the practice. But usually some other teacher is responsible for practical parts. And in uh, most of the cases, it happens like practical part happens like a few days or even a few weeks after theoretical part. So that causes a bit discomfort for both sides, I assuming, for teacher and for students. Um, so again, as I told, having in mind our level of education, this approach works for sure. But yeah. assessment of this uh, zone of proximal development, it's not included in education process in Ukraine, that's for sure. Yeah. So um, this fact eliminates the possibility of inclusiveness, in my opinion. So the children, the students uh, develop cannot develop different mindsets based on this way of introduction new information. So everybody came to the lecture with different prior knowledge and ended up with the same. Do you see what I mean, Alex? It sounds like very similar to, to your example, isn't it? Totally, I mean, yes, I agree. I mean, um, my understanding of this system of education, I mean, you just talked about, uh, I believe with my system, they're almost similar or the same. Um, it usually may lead to what we call the root learning, where students just memorize concepts for the purpose of pattern assessment. And after that, in most cases, some students may forget. However, with your part, you talked about the fact that students are giving maybe a week or some time to do some practical work. I believe um, with that practical option, it kind of like offers opportunity for students to have um, first-hand practice of applying the theories that they learn, which may lead to the retention of knowledge. Right. So regardless of the lesson, uh, regardless of the topic of the lesson, the content has to reproduce the books model. So the lesson should include the next components, bridge in or icebreakers, outcome or objective, pre-assessment, particular learning or active learning, post-assessment, and of course, summary. Mm -hmm. uh, a bridging in uh, is a way to begin a session or a workshop. Uh, it should be used for set up a tone to introduce the content. The objective have to correspond to the chunks of our outcome and the pre and post assessment respectively. Internet, uh, intentional sequencing of activities for particularly learning is the best reflection of scaffolding. Uh, all of these have to be constructively aligned, of course. You cannot teach effectively having some of these parts missing. Exactly, totally, and um, well said. So I think um, this is where I would like to talk about how, I mean, you know, this course has equipped me for the future because I believe that my basic understanding of teaching effectively through sequencing and scaffolding. And I am hoping to apply these concepts practically in the future. 
However, through the various activities in this course, I've come to realize um, I still need more focus on the best use of sequencing as a means of teaching effectively. I mean, how to reduce lessons to very simplified activities that um, may be easier for students to comprehend. That has been a challenge for me in this course. So I believe as we go along, I'll read more on this and I hope to uh, master that skill of um, sequencing for my students. What about you, um, Tatiana? Yeah, I agree completely. Thank you for this point. Uh, sometimes depending from the depending from the topic of your course, it's, it's, it's not possible to, well, in my opinion, it's not possible to, some topic, it's not possible to chunk into smaller pieces. It depends from what you're teaching, right? If there's something smaller, it's okay. But sometimes the complex, uh, the, the, the topic is so complex. So it's really yeah. complicated to, to, to have it chunked. So I, I understand what you mean here. Yeah. Uh, what about me? The, I have a little bit other little gap to fill in. Uh, and my question is how to adapt the rest of the lesson inclusively in case of patent difference in prior knowledges. Like, for example, in, imagine situation uh, you have a certain lesson uh, and prior assessment show you the vigorous difference in prior knowledge between students. So yeah. what is the best way to continue lesson to make sure every single student, including students who are the most and who is the least engaged to the topic, like all of them, uh, have to make sure that every single student without difference in prior, uh, including their difference in prior knowledge, how make sure that everybody is emerged in learning process without noticing difference in prior background, you see? Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, this, this again came to my mind that idea which Aditi and Tristan did with us. He, they uh, provided for us some background theoretical articles to read and videos to take a look before ahead of class. So that might be a case but also how to make sure every student did took a look. You see what I mean? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, uh, and, and, and that being said, I believe um, you, you agree with me that um, sequencing and scaffolding presents um, a great opportunity for teachers to approach their lessons in a more practical and inclusive way for students. Uh, because I believe this helps students to um, commit the lessons into long-term memory. Um, which ensures learning um, has taken place. So for me, I believe uh, sequencing and scaffolding is a skill that every teacher should look to possess. Yes, 100% totally agree with you. Um, especially with being saying sequencing and scaffolding technique, it mm -hmm. allows us to, let's say, activate long memory learning and to cement the knowledges. Great. Um, well, um, thank you everyone for listening and uh, it's been a great time coming to you um, talking about scaffolding and sequencing. And I think that Tatiana and I, uh, we both agree that this is a, this is a concept that every teacher should try to possess to help them approach their lessons with the student in the view of making sure that there's inclusive learning. So we wanna thank everyone once again for listening. And uh, we hope to come your way again with another podcast soon. So from my side, thank you, everyone, and have a good evening. Thank you.
Yes, the same for me. Thank you very much. Thank you, Alex, for, for helping sure. with this podcast. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a wonderful rest of the day and bye-bye.